Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Varied Not Random. I'm Pat Sherwood, once again joined by Adrian Bosman. Boz, how goes it, my friend? It is pretty good. I can't <laughs> complain. I'm sitting here in my uh, wonderful garage gym, and we have an unusually overcast morning, which uh, makes it a little bit darker in here, so hopefully you guys can uh, you know, drink all this in. But I have a feeling that anybody watching the video and just not listening via podcast is going to be envious of all the t-shirts you have on your back wall. Has that been a decade of collection or those donations from people? No, this is a, definitely a decade plus of collection. Uh, I've been lucky enough to travel for many, many years uh, doing seminars through CrossFit and other events through the CrossFit Games and things like that. And uh, yeah, I had tons of them just kind of in storage when we moved to this house in 2014 a big part of moving here was this great garage and i'm like man i have all these shirts i don't know what to do with mm -hmm. them so it just started filling up the wall and i still have a lot left over i'm not quite sure where to go next so i don't know if it's going to be on the ceiling or what that's got to be how any real estate agent can identify a crossfitter when they're describing oh, the home and they pause like okay but tell me about the garage what's the garage <laughs> yeah. like don't you want to know about the beds and baths yeah no 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 we'll sleep somewhere but what with the garage high ceilings yeah. what are we talking so <laughs> exactly yeah that's uh, always critical well, i could think of few people that would be better than you for this discussion today because we're calling this cutting away the unnecessary you know or focusing oh, yeah. on what matters and when I think of a fitness minimalist, I think of you. And oh, wow. Yes. I mean, you, you're a no-fluff no kind of guy, you know, which, which, is, which is refreshing. So, you know, when we were chatting before the camera kicked on, you know, we'll discuss a whole bunch of the topics that we jotted down. But you encapsulated it in one phrase that I really liked. When you, when you thought about cutting away the unnecessary, you said what pops into your head is, like your best session, when you have some of your best mm. sessions in your garage gym, what separated those from the others? And so what, what is that that separates it? Well, you know, I, if I am honest about it, when I think about the best sessions that I have, it's when I come into it with a clearly defined outcome. And that's not like necessarily I have to lift a certain amount of weight or I have to get a certain time on this workout. Mm -hmm. But I do have a sense of I want this session to really tax me in terms of my strength or I want this session to really challenge me in terms of my ability to sprint. Uh, you know, things like that, things of that nature. If I have a clear set outcome, I can really uh, sort of craft that session around it and usually when I'm programming, I do a lot of programming for myself. Um, I'll start with that idea and then I'll start just kind of mind mapping what could help to influence that and develop that. And I'll have lots of stuff on the, on the board, you know, uh -huh. I'll put a bunch of stuff up on the whiteboard, <laughs> usually a lot more than is necessary. And so then the process becomes one of stripping away. It's like, all right, what can I get rid of and really focus on this element that I've already defined? And most of the time, you come back down to two or three key pieces that are going to get the job done. Those extra eight bells and whistles that you've mm -hmm. established, it might be fun and it might, you know, it might feel good to just kind of spend some time going after them. But are they actually moving the needle forward? Maybe not so much. And so in my mind, and, and when I think about the best 
best sessions that I have, it's when I can effectively strip away the bells and whistles, get those two or three key pieces, and then really just focus my attention on them. All right, let me press you a little bit here. Yeah. So what would be an example perhaps of a key element? I know you said, you know, maybe focusing on strength or something like that. So what would be a key element compared to maybe what you would consider a bell and a whistle that is of significantly less importance? Um, That's a great question. You know, I think that we're probably going to get into this a little bit later too, but it's it's dive in now if you like. Well, you're always kind of balancing this need and want to explore with what actually is going to, you know, make my best session, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think without a little bit of self-reflection, you're going to find that a lot of times the bells and whistles start to take over. And so I see a lot these days. I was going to say, I got to stop because you're good with this too, because you are, if I believe a self-admitted, uh, uh, you like to tinker with other things. Oh yeah. You you touch this for a while, do that for us. So this is, this is your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's easy to fall into that where that core of what you're doing starts to occupy less and less time and the exploration is more and more time to the point where it just becomes less effective. Uh, And I see that all the time with like bodybuilding movements starting to creep back into kind of the CrossFit world. Sure. Um, I see that with an emphasis on like warm up and cool down techniques dominating the amount of time that you have to train, you know, um, certain mobility techniques. I mean, you know, there's lots of utility to pursuing that, especially if it's something that you don't have, you know, if your range of motion isn't great, I get it. It makes sense to focus on that, but it's easy to fall off the cliff and all of a sudden it takes you 45 minutes to warm up, Right. takes you another 15 minutes of auxiliary exercises, then you hit a 10 minute workout and then it takes you 30 minutes to do all of your assigned cool down homework, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that's great if you have that kind of time to train, but frankly, most of us don't. And if you look at the big picture, I think over the aggregate time that you're training, you're going to be disappointed with with what that results in. Uh, it just it just doesn't expand your fitness quite as much as you'd think. Yeah, I would have to agree with that because, and again, the wonderful thing about the internet, right? I mean, at your fingertips, you can go down as many rabbit holes as you want in this. Yeah. This style of weightlifting from this country compared to this yep. style of weightlifting from this country and and spend countless hours of your life on blogs and forums where oh, yeah. one is making these amazing, succinct points as to why this is the one that you should pursue and the other one is just garbage and, and the other one's doing the exact same. And then as the user, you're, I don't know, maybe you embrace one of the two and that becomes your world for a while. And so... You could play that game with Olympic lifting, with conditioning, with gymnastics, with mobility, and the end user could just get lost in in the noise and the flash, and then all of a sudden, their training sessions, which if most of us are not sponsored full-time athletes, but we're dealing with right. you know families and kids and jobs and responsibilities, your time is precious, and, and sure. you don't want to... I don't say you don't want to get distracted, but you want to make sure you're using that time the most efficient and effective manner as possible. And you can only do that ideally with either knowledge, lessons learned from yourself, or sharing it from somebody who potentially has already gone down those rabbit holes and can give you the readers, you know, the abridged version. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, and it's interesting, you know, you talk about the difference in methodology within a specific domain. Like I think weightlifting is a great example, like you said. There's, you know, four different ways, uh, more than that, that you could approach that. People kind of fall in love with their pet style and then all of a sudden the whole world has to be doing it this way, otherwise mm -hmm. they're totally wrong. But if you it's take Bulgarian a step back... Bulgarian or nothing, Boz. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, but if you take a step back, I mean, I think it's just great that there's more people invested enough in something like weightlifting nowadays right. that they're just, they're, they're doing it. Um, so to me, it really comes back to expectations at the outset. What am I really trying to get out of this? And if the answer is, I really need to improve my weightlifting, hey, so be it, that's awesome. But go into it with the, the knowledge that that's what you're doing and with the knowledge that there's probably gonna be, like you said uh, before we started uh, the cameras, there's going to be a cost associated with that somewhere else in your fitness, and that's fine. But just enter that knowing what you're getting into, and then have the self-awareness to step back every once in a while and reassess, is this still actually what I want to pursue? Am I making progress? And if the answer is yes to both questions, great, man, keep going. Mm -hmm. But if the answer is, well, hold on a second, I, I fell in love with this one aspect of my fitness, and my whole world started to, to center around that and I got sucked in and now I'm six, eight months down the path and I haven't asked the question, is this still what I want to be doing? Right. Well, all of a sudden you can find yourself in a place where you're like, well, I don't know if this is the outcome that I was looking for. So to me, it's just about managing that at the outset and then acting accordingly. I've, Seems I've, simple, but hard to do. I've know? seen some passionate discussions take place on things such as you know, high bar back squat versus low bar back yep. squat. And both camps are, they are entrenched and passionate about why yep. this, you know, hey, well, low bar back squat, you're going to lift more weight than you're going to with high bar. Hey, well, high bar has more transference to the Olympic lifts or, you know, fill in the blank. Or I can't believe you're not uh, box squatting. You're a chump. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> like, we're at, at the end of the day, for most of us, you know, just trying to be fit, run around, go hiking, you know, play some sports on the side. You just need to be squatting, you know, and, and, right. and, and yeah. whether you're choosing high bar or low bar for whatever your needs happen to be, you know, maybe certainly a discussion worth having because potentially one may serve you better than the other, potentially, but the fact that you have loading on your body and you're passing yeah. below parallel and you're standing back up, you're already winning. You're already in, you know, on yeah. board the home team for the big win. And the other part of that is, again, a lot of this can come down, I think you touched on it, with before you go down any particular rabbit hole, and I'm a huge fan of rabbit holes, is, is be very honest with yourself about why it is that you walk into the gym every day, what you're looking to get out of it, and then do some due diligence, you know, connect with people that you like, know, and trust, and figure out, hey, this is what I think I have going on. Let, let, let's say it's well-rounded fitness, GPP, classic CrossFit, right? Work capacity across broad time modal domains. Well, then it would make sense to pursue constantly varied functional moves at high intensity, you know, and live your life in couplets and triplets and sure. things like that and understand intensity. You know, that if we're having that conversation, if I we're having this conversation, you're like, look, I got a goal this year. You know, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to 
do some master's competitions in powerlifting. I'm like, well, okay, we're not going to focus on your 10K run so much. Right. You know, like they we're going to actually make dedicated concessions in some yep. areas to focus and overload in other areas. But we're never going to be able to know if we're on the right track uh, if we don't have those goals established from the get-go because you can't cut away what's unnecessary if you don't actually know where you want the road to end. Yeah. And so I think that yeah. mission statement uh, is helpful with a lot of people as well because there are there's no shortage of distractions out there. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you know that extends beyond uh, methodology. I think that you see an influx of all sorts of kind of superfluous uh, fitness periphera that starts to come well in as well. Um, you know, people try to convince you that you need this particular supplement or this recovery tool, or mm -hmm. you know, if you're not taking a 20-minute ice bath four times a week, you're never ever going to be able to recover from your session, and on and on and on. <clears throat> and uh, I think a lot of times people, again, can fall in love with those sorts of things and, and overstate their importance. Uh, and it's not to say that some of those things don't have their place. Certainly, some of them do, but how much time they occupy, how much attention you should be giving them, I think is definitely something that you should be aware of. And uh, just, just watch yourself, that's all. Because it's easy to fall in love with that stuff and start to neglect the nucleus. That's yes, all. And, and the nucleus I keep coming back to is you know couplets and triplets, intensity, yep. respecting heavy days, going heavy at least once a week, and having, like you said, your best session for most... I, I don't want to say for most people, but I will. For most people is a singular focus each day, I would say. Sure. And what I mean I by that so is, yeah. I think the audience for this podcast is going to be what I'm going to call just, you know, your regular CrossFitter. It's not somebody that I'm going to see take the podium at the games. Like, it's not a, a highly competitive athlete that has three hours to train each day and sponsors or whatnot. It's a regular human being working yep. a job, looking for a high quality of life and not looking to waste time in the gym. And for that person... I think your eye on the prize is when you set a best session, it's you come in, your warm-up takes ballpark 15 minutes, you focus on a workout that day, a workout, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's just a five by five back squat or it's just Helen or it's just whatever it is, you properly warm up, you pour your heart and soul into that workout yep. that day, whether it's lifting or whether it's, you know, Helen or something like that. You do a, a, a nice cool down, a stretch, and you head home. And that, mm. and it can be really easy, especially in these days and times, to think that that's not enough because, once again, on social media, you know, all of us have heroes that we look up to. You know, it's amazingly fun to watch the games and competitive athletes. Yeah. And it's easy to look at them and be like, well, they're better than I am at fitness. I would like to be better at fitness. I wonder what they do. Oh, well, they do A, B, C, and D every day. Maybe I sh I'm doing just A. Maybe yep. I should try A and B. And then you get A and B, and the session gets a little longer. But then A doesn't get the attention that it used to get because you're mm – -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't mean to insult anybody, but you know, I'm putting myself in this category. But you're a regular human, so you're going to <laughs> – you can't crush A and B. <laughs> One's not going to get crushed as much. So now yep. two are getting done in a mediocre fashion. And then yeah. I think the slide is – What's tough for people to realize is, so now they've added a couple, they've added elements, they've added elements, and now they can't bring as much intensity to each piece, so the intensity's been lowered overall. They start to backslide or stagnate a little bit, 
And now it's really tough for the human mind to go, oh, you know what I should do? I should do less. That's a, <laughs> that's a tough thing for people to do. They go, well, this isn't working. I need, to, I need to hit it a little harder. I need to train a little more. And then session D yeah. gets added on to A, B, C, and D. And then, we're, then I'm having a conversation with an athlete who goes, CrossFit burned me out. I'm like, did it? Did it burn you out? Yeah. You know, so again, that to the best of our, and hey, if you want to be a competitive athlete, rock on. I enjoy watching you on TV. It's fantastic. <laughs> but, for the, but for the regular human, it can be a slippery slope of just, just adding one little right. treat onto the day, adding another little treat to the day. And all of a sudden, your training session looks wildly different than it yeah. probably should or what's probably effective. Well, I think there's lots in there too about, you know, number one, people that do want to go down that competitive athlete road in any domain, you look at the best of the best and what you don't see is like the decade of work that preceded where right. they are now sure. and the capacity that was built up to the point that allows them to train with that kind of volume and intensity. A lot of times that just goes totally unnoticed and unacknowledged and people are like, well, I'll just jump in both feet. I, I'm going to start rowing at four in the morning in my closet like Miko Salo. You know? <laughs> I remember those amazing <laughs> like, yeah. videos. People were then doing that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to row a 5K every day. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, no. This guy has done that for longer than you've even been interested in getting fit. You know, like you have to give credit to that. Right. And understand that that is work capacity that's been built up over a serious amount of time. So there's that. And then the other thing that came to mind as you were you're talking about that is... I want to flip it and talk about the coaching and training side of that. And this is something I see on the other end all the time too, both when people program for, you know, the, the, the people they're working with or their affiliates or whatever is trying to cram so much inside an hour oh, that, sure. yeah, it just becomes this churn of get people in. I'm just like a clock taskmaster. But there's no real time to actually coach people. There's no real time to refine anything. Yes. It's just go, 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 go. And sure, people get sweaty at the end and they're tired. But did they actually move the needle forward? And did the coach actually have time to influence that? That's a completely separate story. And, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to take a look at a lot of different affiliate programming over the years. And um, I have a lot of coaches that reach out to me and, I try to answer questions and give advice when I can. And I would say that if I came back to like a more general piece of advice that I give out more than anything else, it's like, hey, you're trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. you, you, you have crafted a session where like, let's just look at your warm up. There's 10 different techniques in that warm up. And, and sure, you're not going to give them as much weight as like the main technique of a clean and jerk or a muscle up or something like that in, in the, the, the real real workout. Yeah. But you have to acknowledge that these are still skills that are going to take time to teach that people are going to have to have a, a learning process with. And you're trying to just jam that into a seven minute warm up. It's like that, that's not going to happen. Right. You know, and um, time is a beautiful thing. And I think one of the most, it's something that the coaches could use more of. And, you know, we, we would chat about this at seminars where it can be intimidating if you're a newer coach and maybe the workout mm. of the day is Elizabeth. You're like, all right, 21, 15, 9 cleans and ring dips. Of course, we all know it should be squat cleans. And then, you know, <laughs> but then you're like, okay, well, that's... Wait, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> you know, so that's, you know, <laughs> if, you're a, that one past. <laughs> if you're a beast, you know, let's just, I'm going to give a wide window for that. It's going to take somebody, if we're doing it with full cleans, 
you know, if you're an athlete that I see on the front page of the leaderboard, you're in five minutes, could take people, you know, eight, 10, 12, 15 minutes, just depending upon your comfort level. So it's a five to 15 minute workout. It's like, okay, I've got an, it's going to take us 15 minutes to warm up. Even if on the high side, people only take 15 minutes with that workout, that leaves me 30 minutes. Like, okay, we're going to roll for a bit at the end, but what are we going to (laughs) do? And so, and so what happens is they go, okay, you know what we're going to do before Elizabeth is, is a five by five clean you know, then that'll kill some time. Yeah. And then yeah. you don't do that well. Then you don't do Elizabeth with the intensity. Whereas what you should do is is just do Elizabeth and you do your 15 minute, let's say general warmup, your head to toe warmup. And then you've got, take 15 minutes or so before Elizabeth even starts to break out some lighter barbells. Everyone's doing some cleans. This is what you're going to do in the rings. And now the coach has the time to actually walk around, give everybody individual attention, see what their technique looks like, give them one or two things to focus on in the workout. So-and-so can do dips. You can't do dips. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do an entirely different scale. Hey, you know what? Yep. You're not going to do full cleans today. You're going to do hang cleans. It's going to work great for you. Yep. You're going to do a power clean into a front squat. You're not going to do 135. You're going to do 115. And at the end of the session, you know, we always used to say, if you've got 12 people in the class, Everybody at the end of the class should feel like, man, coach was really up my butt today. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, just on me, telling me all this stuff. And if somebody's like, really? I didn't, didn't really hear anything. He was just rushing me from one station to another. So we didn't, so we weren't here when the next class had to roll in because we were busy. Yeah. Eh, that, you know, yeah. that may be something you'd want to address. And that problem is solved with a reduction of what you're trying to jam into that hour, because that gives you that precious commodity of time. Time is the coach's friend. For sure. And, and, you know, to piggyback on that, I think exactly what you said, you know, it's the novice's curse, to steal that phrase, Mm -hmm. is trying to do too much or believing that, oh, how am I going to fill the time? And the person that has a little bit more experience, a little bit more maturity in their training and their coaching has no problem with a little bit of an expanse because they realize that things take time. It takes Mm -hmm. time to really dial techniques in. It takes time to really get somebody where they need to be so that they can apply the necessary intensity and that's okay. So I keep coming back to like the, the people that I think do the best programming, whatever the domain is, they have enough personal experience doing it that they know what is actually possible inside a session. And Mm -hmm. so for all you guys that are trainers out there, especially newer trainers, I know it's not always possible to do every workout that you program, you know, and test all of them and all that. But regularly, what you need to do is take a look at the session that you've got planned for whatever, personal training clients, group session, doesn't matter. Put yourself on the timer, do that session on your own, and see if you can adhere to the timeline that you have prescribed for mm-hmm. this group class or this you know, personal training session. And if the answer is, I felt rushed, I felt like I didn't have enough time to, uh, to, to get in the groove with what we were doing, I had to omit some things that I had planned for the day, you need to take a step back and just start stripping things out. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and if, you are, if you run classes, own a gym, and, and you're listening to this, and you're doing what we just said we would prefer not to have done, it could be a very normal human emotion to get, you know, defensive or angry or screw those guys, they're, they're, they're singling me out. Absolutely not. You know, all we're, all we're trying to do is, 
have an honest discussion about what we have seen, what we've heard, and as far as we're concerned, I'd be lying to you if I said that something else was best practices. You know, this is just simply what we have seen is best practices. And I would encourage anyone out there to be open-minded to if you, if you maybe in the back of your mind, you're like, well, maybe I do have a bit too much crammed into that session. I would encourage you to strip it out because, you know, somebody can get a barbell and lift in their garage. So they can do a five by five front squat in their garage. What they can't do is receive expert level coaching from a trainer who truly cares. And you're not going to be able to impart that amazing gift to your athletes unless you have the time to do so. So I think it would only make everything happening at your gym and everything happening in your community better the more time you have to give personal interaction. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And, and it, it really does lay the foundation for people to go further with what you're able to coach them on. You know, if you, if you give yourself the opportunity to sit back and actually make a difference in somebody's approach to a movement or their technique or whatever, that's going to build the skill that in the long term allows progress, you know, over the greater time period. So, yeah, it's, it's a net win for everybody. Perfect. Well, focusing on what matters, cutting away the unnecessary, and we could go down three or four other rabbit holes, but we'll save those for for other shows. So uh, thank you for uh, sharing your fitness minimalist mindset. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Hey, toys are great, but don't always need them. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you on the next show.